couple years ago, my husband got me a gift. It was a subscription to bath bombs. So bath bombs are little balls you put it in the tub and they fizz up, right? So they came like three of these bath, big bath bombs in a box every two to three weeks. Except I, I didn't take baths. So these bath bombs start coming. Now he got these, this subscription for me to encourage me to take baths. Not because I was like stinky and had hygiene issues or anything like that. But he was saying like, Kim, I want you to just go away and be by yourself and just take a break, which is super sweet. So the bath bombs start coming in and I do not take baths enough to handle all these bath bombs. If you know, like Lucille Ball and the chocolate's coming out, they start stuffing it. I like start sneaking them upstairs and opening them and shoving them in bathroom drawers. And then he would like open it up and they'd all clink around, rolling around in there because they just, there were too many. If you came to my house to like buy something from Craigslist, I'd be like, oh, would you like a bath bomb? <laughs> you know, it's a party gift for you. Have a bath bomb. And it, you know, they just, it was just trying to like, unload some of these bath bombs. At first it would take Darren saying like, hey Kim, why don't you go take a bath? Why don't you go, you know, if things were crazy or whatever, I got the kids right now, why don't you go take a bath? And I'd be like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a do it for Darren because it was a gift and I have all these bath bombs taking over my bathroom. But let me tell you, once I started to partake of the afternoon bath, it was pretty amazing. Like, just sitting in there with zero responsibility except for how to keep my water at the right temperature, you know? I might have my Kindle, I might just sit in there, I didn't have to worry about anything. Um, so little by little, I, get, I began to appreciate this idea of pulling out of everything and just being on my own. I don't know if anyone else has noticed recently, but there is a theme across like the Christian community of our need for rest. I've seen it on Instagram, I've seen it on Facebook, preachers being, you know, preachers on Facebook being forwarded and all sorts of social media about rest, how we need to rest. And I feel like God's trying to tell us something because I'm seeing it everywhere I look. I think if there was ever a time for you to feel peace about resting or taking a break from something, it's now. It's now. The word no, is an anointed word. It's a very important word. Maybe not when you're two and you say it over and over and nobody cares <laughs> because, you know, you're two. But as an adult, your no is just as important as your yes. And sometimes that means you're going to say no to an invitation to do something. Sometimes that means you're going to say no to participating in ministry. Sometimes that means you're going to say no to spending time with friends or serving somewhere. And I'm not talking about isolating yourself in an unhealthy way. I'm talking about recognizing a season where you pull back and you find some solitude. As we talked about last month, Jesus was followed by crowds. In fact, the word crowd appears over a hundred times in the first three Gospels. Some of the people were spectators, just looking to see what was happening. Some had been healed by him, and their whole families were touched, and so they were following him. Some were just trying to catch him and doing something wrong or blasphemous so they could get rid of him. Once, once Jesus started teaching and working with authority and doing miracles, the most desperate and thirsty people were following him everywhere he went. 
There were so many needs. You can imagine how desperate they must have been. But he would pull away from them at times to spend time by himself and rest. Jesus valued solitude. And that's just the state or situation of being alone. And I think every ministry leader, caregiver, disciple, human being, anyone alive today needs to imitate Jesus' example of the soul care and the, the intimacy with God that he found in solitude. He would pull away to pray, to walk, to think, to rest. Let's talk about prayer first. Was anyone here for Francis Chan when he was here? Wasn't that amazing? He came and just really gave us a powerful message on prayer and how we can talk to the Creator and He hears us and He answers us, but we go, oh, I haven't had a chance to pray about that or whatever. How to be able to have the honor and the privilege and the power encounter of being able to talk to God should really be inspiring us to be praying and talking to Him all the time. So Jesus would withdraw from people, and he would withdraw from the demands of his ministry to be alone with the Father and pray. He would pull away from what we would consider obligations. I don't know if I have any, like, type A perfectionist, guilt-driven worker bees here, right? You'd be like, Jesus, where are you going? There's people here to see you. Like... You're the only one that can meet their needs. You, you're going to offend them. If you don't go, if you go, Jesus, you're going to offend them. You really should stay and keep talking to them, keep praying for them. Keep, there's still more work to be done, Jesus, right? You don't want to upset them. They've come all this way. Take a Red Bull, get back to work. <laughs> but Jesus would pull away. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is baptized. He's brought to the desert by the Holy Spirit. He walks into Galilee, starts recruiting his followers. They go to Capernaum. He goes into a synagogue, and he begins to teach. Now, no one really understands who he is yet, so he doesn't have a bunch of people following him. He had to recruit followers at the beginning, right? And as he's teaching, he rebukes a demon that had been in the man for many years. And they were like, what is this? This is a new teaching and a new authority that he can even command the unclean spirits and they obey him. And it says in verse 28, immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And that's not like through all the surrounding district of Livermore or whatever. Josephus, who's a historian, says that in AD 60 there were over 200 villages in Galilee. There were a lot of people that this word started spreading out to. So he spends the day at Peter's home, heals his mother-in-law of a fever, which I love, because we think we can only ask him for the big things, but if there's a fever or a headache, we can pray about those things as well. We can ask him to heal a fever. So we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 32.
came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. That's a lot of needs. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. He was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place and was praying there. So earlier that night, the whole city gathers at the door, right? Luke 440 says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And it says, laying hands on each one, he prayed for them. The whole city's at the door and he's laying hands on each one and praying for them. Imagine the desperation. These people are hearing that demons are leaving. So they're like, oh my gosh, my son, who's had a demon tormenting him, we have to get him there. My dad who can't walk, my uncle, my sister, myself, they were desperate. There's actually someone who can do something about our plight now. He's here, and we have to go to that home to meet him. They kept coming because they heard people were getting healed and demons were leaving. So Jesus was up well into the night. You can imagine how worn out he was meeting the needs of everyone. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? When she touched his garment, he felt power go out of him. And as I was reading this, I wondered, did he feel that every time? Is it possible that as he's laying hands and praying for people, he can feel the power moving through him? And in his humanness, he began to get tired. And he's drained. And he's weary. I love that he was human. Like he wasn't just human. He got tired. Emotionally, physically. And it says in verse 35, So in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus snuck out. Like, he probably had to step over to you. Because what if they wake up, then they're going to need him. Any moms here? <laughs> right? Jesus, please let me stay asleep. I got to sleep. So he had to sneak out, because if they woke up, they were going to need him. And he needed to be somewhere else. Sometimes your only opportunity for solitude is when everyone is asleep or away. That might be your only opportunity for solitude, to truly be alone. When I was in seminary, I had a season where I would set my alarm for 2.30 in the morning and get up in my bed and pray and read and then go back to sleep until the morning because my day was full of studying and work and classes. And even though I was in seminary, you know, some people call it cemetery. <laughs> because you're so busy studying the word that it becomes a textbook and you always have to fight this need to keep it alive and fresh. But that's, that was the season I was in. And so I spent my time in the middle of the night when I could have my time with him. So he went to a secluded place by himself and he prayed. So let's talk about some of the benefits of pulling away and praying. I know it should be obvious. Well, of course you pray, of course it's good for you. But let's talk about that. When you spend time by yourself and just kind of sit before the Lord, you get perspective on things that you've been dealing with. Wisdom is actually God's perspective of something from above, right? You can lay your burdens down. Here, I've been carrying these for like weeks. God, will you take them? You find refreshment. Your mind is renewed. 
You can get things off your chest that you've been dying to get off your chest. Well, spend time with God, you can do that. You can just be still and he will give you strength and peace and rest. You can ask him for, I need more passion. I need guidance. I need direction. I need healing. I need provision. You, this is all the, the benefits of talking to him and spending time and praying to him. But it only happens when we take the time to pull away and talk to him. All these benefits of just releasing burdens and asking for help that happens when we pull away and talk to him. If you're confused about what direction to go, get away and talk to God. If you're sad because of a lost dream or a lost hope or a lost person in your life, pull away, talk to God. If you're overwhelmed by life and work or busyness or worry, get away and talk to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And God is ready, like ready to talk to you and wanting to talk to you. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 36. Mark 1. Simon and his companions searched for him because Jesus had snuck out and went to a solitary place, right? They found him and said to him, um, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And he said, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. So eventually it's morning, the disciples go looking for him because apparently there's still more work to be done, Jesus. We're not done. What do you, there's still needs. But their need didn't dictate his response. This is an important key. Their need didn't dictate his response. And let me tell you why. Because he had pulled away and just spent time with God, he had just spent time with the Father, the creator of all time, who had plans and purposes in place, right? He knew to say no to this and yes to this. Because he had pulled away and talked to God about it, he knew where he was needed the most. And that meant saying no to these needs because he needs me over here to meet these needs. He prioritized talking with God. Luke's account says the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. So then you have no pressure, right? And you have guilt, and please don't go, Jesus, we need you. Please don't go, my, my cousin's on his way. Please don't go. Pressure and guilt. But Jesus says, we're going somewhere else to nearby towns, because that's where I need it. And that's what, what I came to do. So Jesus valued solitude for prayer. He also valued solitude just to rest and to think. The priority Jesus placed on solitude and even silence is everywhere in the Gospels. It's how he dealt with grief. It's how he started his ministry. It's how he made important decisions. It's how he dealt with the demands on his time and how he stayed in tune with God. In Mark 6, Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown, 
and he finds out that John the Baptist has been killed by Herod. Now, John the Baptist was more than just a prophetic voice. It was Jesus' cousin. It was relationship. He loved him. And in Matthew 14, 13, it says, When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. He withdrew. He needed to process everything that was going on. It says, and when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. So they would see his boat, and they would just start walking along the shore. You know, remember, it's as big as Washington, D.C., right? They would just start walking to figure out where's his boat going, and then we'll just be there waiting. Jesus, what are you doing here? It's so fancy running into you here. They would go try to be where his boat was. When he went ashore, there was a large crowd. He felt compassion for them and healed their sick. There were more needs to be met when he got to shore. And this is what I think. I think because he had taken time to be alone, taken time to process and grieve and talk to God about everything that was going on, that he had the renewed strength needed to minister to those needs when he got off the boat. He was refueled and he was refreshed because he had pulled aside and spent time with God. Because Jesus rested, he was able to serve. We need to prioritize rest so that we are ready for each new season that may come. Good seasons and bad seasons. It may be a time of intense ministry or serving. It might be a mountain we've got to climb. It might be a valley we're going to go through. But we have to prioritize rest and solitude and processing things with God and talking to him so that we're ready for those seasons. Does anybody remember the Energizer Bunny? That's kind of how we act, right? It's like we keep going and going and going and going and going and going. Beth Moore once said the church, so many in the church are like uh, an anorexic woman running on a treadmill like getting that exercise and going and going, but not getting nourishment, not taking care of herself, not eating what she needs, not getting the rest she needs. That's a perfect picture of how some of us are in the spirit. We just start filling up and refueling and refreshing, but we just keep going and it's not healthy for us. Mark's account says that when the disciples met up with Jesus to tell him about John, because they just found out they had to bury John. They had just finished up all these miracles and healings at their own hands. They were so excited, and then they had to go bury John. And they were overwhelmed with emotions. Jesus tells them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. It says there were many people coming and going, and they did not have time to eat. But he says, come on, get let's, I need to pull you out of this, and you guys need to go rest. And it says, they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Jesus pointed them to rest. He's teaching them to value solitude and rest. You've seen me do it, now I'm going to have you guys do it. They need refreshment. They needed comfort. They needed perspective. 
They needed a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there are women here this morning that Jesus is speaking this to. He's pointing you to rest. And he's, if this is the only reason why you're here, it's not even like you have permission to rest. It's like rest. He would say this to you. Daughter, come away by yourself to a secluded place and rest a while. You haven't even had time to eat. So let's go. And if that is you, that you know God's saying that, listen to him. This word secluded is solitary, lonely, desolate, used in speaking of the desert or the wilderness. That's how alone you're supposed to be, right? It's also used of a person who is utterly alone. You are alone. Jesus purposely withdrew to that place. And I think today we run from it. I think we avoid being alone at all costs. I mean, just look at social media and all that kind of stuff. Because you're on your phone, you might be alone, but if you're on social media, you're in some sort of online community. You're not alone, right? Jesus would say, go alone and rest. Don't bring your iPhone. He would say that. He'd be like, guys, give me your phones. Turn off your phones, silence them, go be alone and rest. Remember how last month I said that fear is the enemy of rest? I would also say that technology and social media are the enemies of rest. Bing. See that? <laughs> are the enemies of rest. I don't know if anyone's like me. I will pull away from me time, right? I'll go upstairs for me time. And then I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm looking on some Instagram account of a friend's of a cousin's sister's wedding's <laughs> dog's account. I'm like, what? how did I get here? I'll pull out my Kindle. I will just start swiping and doing and all that kind of stuff. That's not resting in God's presence. In fact, I will get out of that me time and I don't feel any more refreshed than I did going into it. You, you're not going to get the benefits of being in God's presence and solitude when you're on your screen. When we keep our screens open, we're being refreshed kind of in counterfeits. It feels like a break, but our mind isn't taking a break. They don't have anything to offer besides like entertainment and information. They keep our minds so occupied when we're alone that we, we aren't thinking through things that we could be thinking through with God's wisdom. We aren't troubleshooting something that's really been on our minds. We aren't just thinking, looking around, taking things in. We aren't processing emotions that we might have with the Holy Spirit right there. We aren't doing any of that. We're just distracting ourselves really from having to do any of that. Anyone? It's a great distraction, friends, having to think about yourself or think about your problems or think about promises that haven't happened yet or think about sin that the Lord's pointed out that you don't want to deal with. It's a great distraction to keep you from looking at those things. A friend of mine called it numbing out on our phones. And I think that's perfect because we kind of 
it numbs and dulls everything. You don't have to land a thought anywhere, right? If you don't like where your thoughts are going, you don't like, you just open a new tab or swipe it or close that account and go to the next one. You don't really have to think too hard about anything. You don't have to embrace any sort of self-reflection or growth. You can just kind of get alone and then just float on this current of social media until you get back to life and you never go deep. Hi, little ant. So Jesus would feel overwhelmed and he would retreat to pray. He would retreat to rest, to be refreshed. We retreat, but we often don't get the benefit of being truly alone with God. And that's what I'm talking about this, this morning, with solitude, being really alone. Jesus pointed his disciples to rest. Now, when we look, did they say, sorry, Jesus, thanks for the invite. You're right, we haven't had time to eat, but there's so many needs to be met. The church needs me. The church needs me. I'm the only one that can do it. We're the only ones to take care of these people. We have too much work to do. We have to be about the Lord's business. So we're just going to stay right here. No, it says they went away to a secluded place by themselves. They listened and they went to a secluded place. And my husband knows I struggle in this area a lot. I will just keep going instead of resting. Even when for everyone's sake, um, mom taking a break would be best. Like for everyone involved. Okay. Um, he's like, bath bombs. Kids, we're going to try this. We're going to give mom bath bombs instead of for that. <laughs> now I know. I wonder if there was a little bit of strategy going on there. Um, but because of that, and because I've been studying rest and refreshment this summer, I'm really convicted. And I'm really working on making this a discipline in my life, a spiritual discipline. And something I want to teach my kids, how to be alone with your thoughts. We were just at our cabin, and there's so many things to do. And it's like, I just need to go sit on the deck by myself for 10 minutes with nothing. Listen to the birds, listen to the air. And then, you know, I, oh, I, was, I told that person last week I'd pray for him. I don't know if I've prayed for him. You pray for him. Like it allows your mind to kind of wander as it's holding hands with the Holy Spirit, right? So making time for rest and solitude requires setting boundaries. And Jesus was really good at setting boundaries. When he needed to rest, he would get away and rest, like we've seen. Even sending people away and disappointing them at times. But he would do it. Even though they would run along on the shore and try to meet him where he landed anyway. Do you know the reason Jesus had to perform a miracle of feeding the 5,000? Was because he and his disciples had gone to a remote and solitary place to escape everybody. They had gone like underground, right? They had gone so remote to be able to just be alone without everyone there. But everybody followed them. And so then when it came time to eat, they're like, oh, we're really in a solitary place. That's why there was no food. Because Jesus had gone there to get away. So he feeds the 5,000, dismisses them, and leaves them, and goes up on the mountainside to pray. Where there still needs to be met. Yes. Where there still things Jesus could be doing. Absolutely. There, there were. But sometimes Jesus put off others' needs to meet his own need. 
Jesus did that. Love did that, right? He prioritized his own spiritual health. I said this last month, sometimes the only way to get rest is to move away from those that need you. And that sounds terrible, right? But Jesus did this. He had to pull away from those that needed him to take care of himself. I'm not saying ignore your kids or stop showing up for work, right? <laughs> but be willing to put the oxygen mask on someone else, on yourself. <laughs> Almost wrecked that one. Be willing to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on someone else. Why do they tell you to do that? Because if you are the, the, the masks come down and you have your child there and you're like, okay, honey, don't panic. Okay, your deep breaths because you're panicking. And I'm gonna pull these and what did the lady say? And then you're like, that's out. Because you didn't put your mask on. So you're so busy trying to make sure they are taken care of. There's nothing wrong, they're gonna survive. They can breathe, they can see. They're all okay that you aren't taking care of yourself. And then, then you're out. And then you're burnt out or you're tired out or you're bitter. You know, you got to take care of yourself. Matthew 14, when evening came, he was still there alone. So this wasn't like a five-minute prayer. Jesus spent time in God's presence. It was refreshing, recharging, enriching. So Jesus practiced solitude to pray, to rest, to think, and sometimes he just went for a walk, often walking by the water. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. He would just go on walks, walk by the water, walk through the grain fields, walk through the vineyards. In John 7, it's thought that Jesus walked 90 miles from Galilee to Jerusalem by himself because he sent everyone ahead of him. That would be five days of solitude. No iTunes, no earbuds, no phone, just him and God and his thoughts. That's it for five days. Man, how women, how much could we accomplish with five days of just us and God and our thoughts? Like history makers, I'm telling you, powerful things would come out of that time, that focused time. And we might not depend on walking for transportation, but a lot of, a lot of us here, we can go for a walk with no nothing just walk around your neighborhood. Go for a drive. No radio, nothing. Just silence. You and God in silence. Solitude. We're in Livermore. You might ride, ride a horse. Get on your horse. Ride. No music. Just ride around. Go for a run. Clear your mind. The goal is solitude. And because the goal is solitude, which is isolation, utterly alone, that type of solitude, I would say it has to be a time without your screens, earbuds, even worship. I love worship. Oh my gosh, I love worship. But it's not the same as solitude and being silent. And you guys, it's so hard. It's really hard. But I'm still going to say we need to do it, okay? When you get alone and quiet, the Holy Spirit starts to bring things up in your mind. And like I said before, you start praying for people that you have forgotten about. He'll bring it in. And you're sitting quiet, and then you're like, oh, I have to have that conversation at work. 
And then God begins to show you, kind of how to strategize for that. And then you're sitting quiet. Oh man, I, I really need to talk to my brother about what happened. God, give me wisdom as I do that. Oh, I have to make a decision about this. And he'll start to bring all these things in. He'll start problem solving issues that have been bothering you. As you sit in silence, he'll just bring these thoughts in. When we zoom past that in our lives, we miss out on, on this. I believe when you pursue solitude, God pursues you. So I'm going to close with some tips for rest from Jesus. Number one, prioritize solitude. Go be somewhere alone. Zero distractions. And I would say make it consistent. Don't just do it one time this next week. Work it into your life. Work it into your life. Number two, set boundaries. Sometimes we have to say no to things or remove ourselves from situations or people or friends or church for solitude. Just for a time, just for a time to think, to pray, to rest. Several years ago, God told me to take a year off from all ministry so I could focus on my family and just totally 100% on my kids. Of course, would you know that that's when I got the call from Pastor Steve uh, to preach on the main stage? And I had to say no. Because God had told me to rest for a year. And for a people-pleasing, perfection, really loves to preach girl, that was really hard. But that's what God had told me to do. Just for a time, set some boundaries. Find your place. Find a place that brings peace and solitude. It might be the mountains. It might be running in your neighborhood. It might be a chair upstairs in your room. It's often out by the water. For a lot of people, it's by the water. But build solitude into your schedule. Find your place that gives you that and pursue that. I'm going to read uh, some excerpts from my niece, Lindsay, writes with a, um, a blog site called Ebenezer Women. It's ebenezerwomen.com, and it's women from all, all ages and backgrounds, and they're all excellent writers, and they're talking about, like, real topics, like some hard, some funny, some, I mean, they all dig deep, and so it's, it's awesome. Lindsay's here today, and I'm going to read to you about um, some things that she had written. I knew that she had been spending time at the ocean, so I'm going to read a little bit about what she wrote. To me, the ocean is where I find the most peace. It's an incredible example of the Lord's greatness. His creativity, beauty, intensity, and stillness are clear to me each time I visit. Self-care has never been something I excel at. I am a people pleaser, I work really hard, and I have a difficult time sitting still. Solitude. Solitude. I love to be near, in, or on the ocean. One afternoon, I had just finished surfing, and I was standing and watching the water. Now, I wish I could tell you everything that she wrote, but she was like, so you, just so you guys know, I'm not like a professional surfer. I really just try to go in a straight line and yell, move out of the way a lot. So, <laughs> it was awesome. But I love real stuff like that. She wasn't like, I was just surfing, you know. I'm awesome. Um, so, 
She said, it was an especially pleasant evening and I was content, like the real deep exhale kind of content. I felt closer to God there, more filled, relaxed, grateful. I had more perspective. So why didn't I do it more often? I decided that I would make it a priority to go to the beach one time per week for a year. I didn't put any specific restrictions on it. I just wanted to be near the ocean and I wanted to commit to making some kind of self-care a priority. So I started, I went to the beach every week and depending on how much time I had, I would try to visit different parts of the coast. I would walk, write, read, pray, or wander. Sometimes I went alone, sometimes I brought someone along, sometimes I surfed with my dad, sometimes there weren't any waves and I just floated. I ended up visiting the beach 47 out of 52 weeks that year. And in her post, she talks about all the profound things God showed her in that time. Now, this is a girl that works full-time and has a full plate, but she prioritized solitude and she committed to it and God taught her so many things in that. The last thing is just do it. Do it like your life depends on it because your life does depend on it. Your spiritual life depends on you getting solitude and time with God. I fully believe, for those of you that remember that I talked about how I had a panic attack in January, that was so terrifying. I believe that if I had been practicing solitude in November and December and January, just getting along with God, I probably wouldn't have had that panic attack. But I was moving and moving and moving and bottling up and bottling up and bottling up and stressed and moving and moving, and I just couldn't slow down. I was that anorexic lady until I passed out fell off the treadmill. It's like, we have to do it. So I'm going to pray for you all. When I ask, like, God, what are these women? How do I need to pray for these women? The first thing I felt like you said, there are a lot of women here that are busy and tired, and they really need to hear that I'm calling them to solitude. So I'm going to pray for you, those of you here that are just busy and tired. And secondly, there are women here, women here that need to get some freedom from this performance, this idea that you have to say yes to everything to be valuable. Like it's really hard for you to say no, and so you say yes to everything. First Samuel 15 says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And I think often we feel like we have to sacrifice our time, our sanity, our family, our, you know, to serve the church. We, it's, it's, it, God will bless it. I, it's a sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice. And yes, we are a living sacrifice, but God says, I desire obedience over sacrifice. So if he's calling you to rest, if he's calling you to pull back, then he's going to ask you to be, he, he would prefer that you obey than continue to sacrifice. Let's pray. God, this world of technology and and, uh, you know, show binging and just we can constantly fill up all of our time every minute of the day. And I know that you know, you understand that it's hard for us to find silence. We have to make it happen. It doesn't just happen. <laughs> Maybe in the shower. That, that's kind of our, when we stumble into solitude. Help us to take advantage of that, even God, solitude in those times. But God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pursue solitude. Teach us when we're in the car by ourselves, 
remind us, turn off the radio and just be. To go for walks without our phones, to sit with everything off, to sit in silence even if it's uncomfortable. Teach us how to find rest and refreshment just in stillness with you, to follow Jesus' lead and do that, to spend that time with you, to give over our burdens and receive your grace. We need your help. We need, we need to be connected to you. So I pray that every person here, that your Holy Spirit moves on and brings us to a place of acknowledging our need for solitude, to pray, to rest, to think. And God, I pray for each and every woman here who feels overwhelmed with all the jobs and tasks that she has, that you would teach her the, the powerful anointed word, no. And that as she spends time with you, you would help her to navigate, say no to this and yes to this. It might be say no to these five things and yes to this one thing. But God, I pray that you'd give them discernment and they would have courage and feel confident in the no's as much as the yeses and know that they are loved and purposed and called no matter how they divvy up the yeses and the no's as long as they're sitting with you and seeking what you'd have them do so that they know where they need to be. I pray for your blessing and your grace and your rest to be with each and every woman here this morning. And I pray that you'd walk alongside them this week and recharge them, refresh them, remove burdens from them, and fill them with your peace. Thank you, God. Amen.